Hey guys, it's your boy Chef. Welcome to another episode of Major Cajones. I'm just doing a quick intro just to tell you what what's going on in this whole episode. So I recorded this thing like three, four months ago. I can't even remember. Three months ago? My, it was a while. I'm putting it off just because I got other stuff going on. But it's time. And I want I want a part two on this because it's so it's so good. We get a little bit into into what it is to be a collegiate athlete. A little bit of insight from my friend JT Rogan, who was also an assistant to Jim Harbaugh over in uh, Michigan. You know the Wolverines, that beautiful blue and like gold color. I love those. I used to be an actual Wolverine fan back in the day. But anyway, stay tuned. There's a lot of stuff drop. One of my more serious episodes because I don't, you know, I don't take shit seriously. I guess so. This is actually has a more serious tone. And it's also kind of, you know, I do a lot of pen clicking, so just get past that. We're going to fine-tune all this up for the next time this happens, and we're going to eliminate all those, so. Stay tuned. It's your boy, we out. Max Major! Boy, this guy right here has a pair of the biggest cojones when it comes to shooting big shots, man. This is a story of famous dog. For the dog that chases its tail, we'll be busy. These are happy dogs, rhythmic dogs, harmonic dogs, house dogs, street dogs. Dogs of the world unite, dancing dogs. what's happening what it do y'all it's your boy Antoine the chef and welcome to another episode of major cojones today we got a special guest uh a homie a friend um he was gracious enough to come onto the podcast and just talk about some of the past stuff he's been with the things he's currently working on the things he's done maybe some of the coaches he's worked with we'll see once we get there uh, JT Rogan, JT, how you doing, bro? Great, man, great. I uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I've uh, I've had to beat you down to actually get me over here. No, to I had a... to beat you down. No, 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 no. <laughs> not true, not true at all. So I'm, you know, regardless of who had to knock on whose door, uh, I'm I'm pumped to be here and and uh, excited to be a part of the the cojones guest list. Fuck yes, and also I. I was wrong in assuming that I would be the only one drinking on this podcast. Shame on me. But JT has graciously agreed to do a cheers tap for us as we usually do for each episode. So, as is Major Honus Cajones tradition, we do a little tap before we sip. Cheers. Cheers. Absolutely. That was the weakest clean either. That was the weakest sound. So, Jay. Tell us about uh Tell us about little Tell us a little about about yourself what you're doing. We're gonna get into your past, and people might be a little surprised. So, what are you doing right now? What are you What are you doing all this traveling for? That I see you hitting these planes, always leaving. Yeah. Always gone from your wife and child. Yeah. Yeah. Why? What are you doing so much? What you are know, you trying to build here? So, uh, you know, about uh, about 15 years ago, the concept of if you don't grind, you don't shine was instilled into my mind as a 
a young football player at the University of San Diego, and, and I've been thankful enough to be in the athletics realm for um, my entire professional life, either as a broadcaster, um, as a coach, as a, a player, you know, all that. And so right now, um, in the athletics world, um, doing a lot of different things from an entrepreneurship standpoint, and, uh, you know, just trying to help grow the space, improve the ecosystem. And so when I'm out there, whether it's Arizona, Mississippi. Hustling. Yeah, uh, San Diego, you know, wherever the business opportunities are, that's where I'm going. And uh, it's an investment in my future, you know. And so uh, a lot of people, you know, plan for their future. They save for their future. They want to retire, you know, and I get all that and everything. But I found the the best way to, to create an awesome retirement for yourself is to hustle hard right now. So... That's it. Amen to that, dude. That's actually pretty crazy. Because the whole time I've known you, you've always... It's been what? When, when was your wedding? That's where I first met you. I've known Mara forever, but I first yeah. met you at your guys' wedding. 2018. So, yeah. we I, and I think ago? Yeah, so we knew each other a little bit before that, but, you know, been getting to know each other more and more. Right. Um, and uh, I know... Brody's gym at, at uh, plenty of at times, and I've turned down. I'm so I'm terrible at that. I'm no, so sorry, no, man. no, it's all good. But you know, it's all led us here to to be here today, and um, you know, we see a lot of each other. I see more of you than I see of, you know, most of the friends I've had in the last fifteen or twenty years. So it's uh, it's a good thing, you know. And I'm it's a good you know, time, bro. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a good time. You always bring some positive shit. Always, it's like the you're like the uh, the good to my evil. Or something. You, we're, we're almost polar opposites. And I mean, I could talk. Well, so let me hit you with some shit right What's now. Up? What's right? up? So like yin and yang, right? It's right. like the, the dark and the light, the white and the black. You know, some of the white lives in the black. Some of the black lives exactly. in the white. Yep. And um, I was reading a book right now by Jordan Peterson. I think it's 12 Rules for Life. And he talks about how like life exists on the border of yin and yang, on good and evil, right? And so like when you're pushing yourself up against the limits, you know, that's how you can understand, you know, maybe what the boundaries are, what your potential is. And, and so you, uh, you bring out traits and characteristics in me that other people don't, that, that I'm happy to well, showcase and display. What, I make you cuss a little bit more like what, what kind of, what kind of shit? No, no, no. no. So, <laughs> but the reason I'm saying that is because like, I need people who are real and genuine and authentic, like no matter what. Right. And so yeah. everybody in society's like got their guard up and they're saying things that other people want them to say or what right. they think they should say. And it's nice to have uh, a whole array of people, right? Because you just it's a smorgasbord, like, a smorgasbord, a smorgasbord. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's like it's an echo chamber. You just if you surround yourself by all the same people all the time, like white people that are wasp, white Anglo-Saxon, Protestant. You know, they're all just the same type of person. Right. You're just gonna you're not gonna stretch yourself. You're not gonna expand your horizons or anything like that. And so. Talking with you brings a different element into my life that I welcome, that I I look forward to, and so yeah, yeah and and it's that way with with all sorts of people, right? Like you should challenge yourself to be with people who allow you to think about the world differently and who you know bring a different energy to the table. And you guys hear what I? This is what this man talks about a lot when he comes over. It's real shit. I'm over here talking about broken bones and shit, and he's talking about real world shit. So listen to this man. So you're you're in player development, all this stuff. You wanna you wanna eventually coach, but you're 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 building your own thing right now. Yeah, you know, you're, so I'll, little camps, whatnot. You're doing your own thing. So I'll, I'll rewind it just a little bit, right? So I was a college player, um, hurt my knee. I was an all American, um, wasn't able to to play as well as I would have liked to be on that. 
Yeah. Okay. We're go ahead. Keep, go no, ahead. You I'm just sorry. keep going. No, I'm no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so I mean, I've got a background in athletics. And I'm passionate about it. And so, right now, you know, if there's a way to improve the space, right, to make coaches' lives easier, make opportunities more accessible for athletes, then that's what I want to do, right? And that's what I'm passionate about. And that's what, you know, I wish people would have been able to do more for me, you know, when I was playing. And so it's about paying it forward. And, you know, that's part of my big vision is like, how do we make opportunity more accessible to people in all walks of life? And so I've got a water company and I don't know if we're going to talk about that, but that's we about can talk about what the fuck ever you want, yeah. whatever you want. <laughs> but, but it's all about creating opportunity for people who otherwise wouldn't have it. Right. And if you don't know the game and you don't see it and you don't recognize it, you don't know how to save yourself from it. So that's why so many things in my life, like I'm trying to be a part of, of opportunities and activities and behaviors that that are beneficial for people maybe who who don't know uh, what they need and and so like I'm saying mentoring high school and college athletes um, you know th- you said something about camps too how are you organizing these are you you're flying out to all these these destinations are you setting up are you attending these camps? Are you just setting up? Are you helping them set up and you're moving to the next spot? Are you helping develop, looking at players? Like so I've done, a, I've done a lot with camps, right? right? So at University of Michigan, I ran football camps there, right? So I hired our, our players to run it. Um, I paid them. I got coaches in place. I made sure we had the facility secured, um, got audited by the university, made sure that was handled right. So had had like, you know, real world type stuff and making These sure are that- gems, people. Yeah, and, and so just making sure that- we had that squared away. Like, but before that, I ran my own football camp, right? So I know what it takes to program camps and, and how to run it, what the logistics need to look like, you know, what protections and insurance you have to have in place, all that stuff, right? So so currently, right now, you know, I'm going, I'm seeing what coaches are there. So I was down at, at camp at Ole Miss. It was the first camp that they've been able to have in 16 right. months because they've had a dead period down there. So Rich Rodriguez was down there. He's a former coach at Arizona and Michigan. And so I said what's up to him, met him, because, you know, he and I obviously know some of the same people. Um, I know some of the staff down at Mississippi, and so it was, you know, good to catch up with them. Fun to see some athletes there, some, like, you know, top flight you know, ESPN top 300 guys and see what good looks like that way. And then just watching competition, right? Like I love to watch guys go out there and put their best on the line because so many people in life just punch the clock and they go and do what's safe and what's comfortable. And when you see people pushing and striving and and you surround yourself by those, those experiences, those individuals, it it can't help, but help you push forward in a meaningful way. Straight up. That's awesome, man. It's that's, I don't know if I've met somebody that has like as much passion about anything that you have about what you're doing. Like even about, bro, this shit's crazy. Like you're a whole different beast right now. You're on some different type of planet. Like, do you always think like this? You're like, I, do you wake up having to get shit done? You're like, I got to get this done, this done, this done. I, I like, try to, right? right? And and some days it's good. Some days it's not right. as good, you know, but I don't beat myself up too hard when I don't achieve what I want to get done. But when you think about the best people in life accomplishing what it is that they're setting out to do, they're passionate about it. Right. And so, and you know it, right? There are people that are passionate about some real obscure shit. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I love drawing stuff in the sand. And, so, and there was a guy yeah. in Coronado, or, uh, down in San Diego, and I don't have the money like Coronadoans do, but that's where I went to high school. There was a guy called the Sandman, and he would take a brush, and he would draw stuff in the, uh, with, a, with a broom and like different little tools, and he would create drawings out of sand on like walkways and stuff right. like that. 
and people would go out of their way to have him do special ones at their house or they would, you know, hook him up with cash or whatever he needed, free legal services because sometimes, you know, he's getting himself into trouble or whatever. But it's like when you see passionate people, and that was just something remote right. and obscure like drawing stuff with a broom in the sand, <laughs> right? Like when yeah, you see up. passionate people, like that connects with you and you're like, oh man, I want to be with that. I want to do what he's doing. And so people, I hope, feel that energy from me and that spirit and that intentionality that I bring to the athletic space and to helping the athletes in a real meaningful way. And so having been at Stanford, having been at Michigan, University of San Diego, Pac-12 Network, seeing what the game is and what it looks like, you know, all I want to do is help. Damn, dude. All right, so you've got the big helper here. So you've been a silent reporter, right? Yep. How was that? And what get, what were you a silent reporter for Michigan? Were you a silent reporter for the college that you played uh, football at or just a college you were attending for learning? So I did a lot of different broadcasting roles, right? So I did – I've done most things in front of the camera, behind the camera. I've done editing, producing, right. directing, color commentator, analyst, sideline reporter, play-by-play, like you name it, I can claim it, right? And so with the Pac-12 networks and with Fox Sports San Diego, I was a sideline reporter, right? So you had kind of the subject matter expert who was talking about the game um, from an X's and O's standpoint. Then you had the play-by-play guy who was really facilitating the action, getting in and out of the breaks, setting up the color commentator. And then they'd kick it to me to talk about some unique, remarkable element, right? Like how Bill Russell was a, a famous University of San Francisco great, right? Or how... You know, this one team was starting off their season with like 11 consecutive road games or talking to John Ross about, you know, here at the University of Washington about, you know, what it's like coming back after injury he's and how he's connecting. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just connecting with people about different things and, and, you know, refining a skill and getting better at it and understanding the game from a different standpoint, you know, just helps you have a, a more complete, comprehensive knowledge of what it is you're talking about. You got it in pretty good with these. Uh, I mean, are you do you when you meet these? Do you just go play pool with some people like some of the ads, some future pros or athletes? Do you just go play pool with them. Like, what do you? How are you meeting these people besides like you? It seems like you have a lot of personal relationships with them. What are you doing to do? Like, are you just being yourself? Are you trying to establish something for like a future? Like, uh, I could use you at a camp maybe one day, or what do you, it seems like you have a lot of people in a lot of places. How are you doing that? Your networking skills are on another level. How? how? Yeah. Why do you do that? How? I just, uh, I'm an extrovert, right? So I like being around people, talking with people. I'm the opposite. That's why it's yin and yang. <laughs> so, so I go out there and I'm like, you know, I'm just trying to add value, right? Like I'm trying to help however I can connect with people. And then I put myself out there, right? Like I go and do it and I show up. And so, yeah, it's inconvenient to leave Thursday morning at 6 a.m. to fly to Memphis, to drive to Oxford, to spend a day, right, Friday down there. All this traveling for one day. For, for one day. But what did I do, right? I got I got to, you know, and I'm not going to, you know, suck my own dick over this or break my arm, pat myself on the back. It, but I got to Atlanta, right, and they wouldn't book me on the connecting flight that was 31 minutes from when I landed, right, because it was projected to be too tight. I said, right. I'm going to – so I literally ran from one terminal to the next – I got there in time before the doors closed. I said, hey, I want to get on this flight. They're like, it's going to be 75 bucks. I'm like, whatever, I need to get there. So I got to my destination two hours early. I picked up the best ribs in America, according to the Food Network. Which in, were from where? From Memphis. Okay. And then drove down to Oxford. I got to Oxford. I didn't know. I didn't let anybody know, like, hey, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I just, I walked in. 
I recognize somebody, somebody's like, oh man, they'd love to see you. Come on back. And then here, I've got all these ribs. And so people coming in, <laughs> you know. <laughs> bring the food with you to sign They're the best in America, right? in, huh? well, what, I mean, what else, how else oh, are you going to like, until Monty Kiffin comes in, like one nice. of the NFL legends, right? And his son's the coach there, Lane Kiffin and Monty. I'm like, hey, Monty, you want any ribs? He's like, no, nah, man, I don't want any ribs. But everybody else was like swarming around him and stuff, you know? And so it's like just coming in with good intentions, a yep. willingness to help. And, uh, and showing up, right? Like all that stuff is a really good equation to giving you the opportunity to, to do something great. Worst case scenario, let's say nothing comes to fruition. The coaches are out of the office. You know, the camp gets canceled, bad weather. It's like I still showed up. I was still there. I can still identify with people that I've flown into Memphis. I've had the best ribs in America. I went to Mississippi. I checked it out. Made eye contacts. That was up. Yeah, but yeah. while I was down there, right, I was checking things out. I went to Mississippi State. You know, they've got one of the best baseball stadiums in the country. So I popped by there for a hot second. I got a chance to see – you know, their camp and what they were doing there. They were working out, you know, really good quarterback. And, and so it was, you know, it was fun to be around and to be doing things. I, you know, I was driving down there. I didn't know they had Confederate cemeteries. There was like a, a cemetery on my way from Oxford to Starkville. And there's like, oh, this is a Confederate cemetery with like 500 people who took the L against the Union. <laughs> Fat you <know>? L. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The biggest L. So I'm like, but I'd never seen that before, right? And so you stretch your thinking. And when you get out of your comfort zone, right, I'd never really had been in Mississippi. I've been there for a half day with Coach Harbaugh recruiting like a couple years Damn ago. Damn it, you ruined it. Oh. You fucking ruined it. I'm That's sorry. fine. We'll go back to that. Um, but, you know, so it was just good to go down there and do something different. And and literally, it was for, you know, right. 40 hours, right. right? But it could have been just for a day. It could have been for not at all. But I showed up, and it ended up being a great time. Nice. Yeah. You... Fuck, man. That's a lot. That is a lot to take in. That's like, if I'm doing all that, my head's about to burst open straight up. So, you mentioned all America, okay? What uh, what high school did you go to? I went to Coronado High School down Coronado, in San Diego. Huh? Yeah, I couldn't find. I was looking for a while, bro, but I said you're seeing. Okay, so he said he was an athlete, guys. I think you guys need to read some of these stats that I wrote down, okay? So senior year, I don't know about receipt receptions. All I got was rushing. Senior year, this dude had 1,700 yards rushing. What 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 awards did you get that year? So in high school, senior year, um, yeah, seventeen hundred yards rushing, ended up being um, all state for small schools in California, which is something I'm pretty proud of. One of one Should of the, be, the things I'm most proud because it's a big state, you know, lot yeah. lot of players for real, you know, um, and so that was uh you know that was a long time ago, but and so you were getting looks from. I mean, what, three, four colleges? Why'd you choose uh, USD? University of San Diego, for those of you guys don't know. Yeah, so my dad was, you know, he lived in, in Coronado, right? And, and, you know, staying close to home was not a priority, but Coach Harbaugh was just announced to be the head coach there. You know, it seemed like a good setup. I knew some people that were going to USD, and, uh, you know, it was just, it made sense, and it seemed like a good fit. They were recruiting me. I liked the people I was getting recruited by. And, but and you had other looks from like what Penn State, Dartmouth, and uh, UC fucking, Davis, Redlands. Like I kind of they I, didn't even list those. They're, they're probably smaller schools. Like oh, these are the biggest schools you got. But yeah, and but it wasn't like a great fit. Like nobody wanted a five nine, one hundred and sixty five pound running back. Like they kind of wanted me, but not really, right? And so when everybody's just kind of like you know not really in love with you, but kind of likes you, you're like okay, well I'm not really feeling it why is it that I'm going to travel a long distance, go somewhere if they're not really feeling it like that, you know? And so 
I just kind of I thought about it, what made the most sense from a financial standpoint and an opportunity standpoint. And playing for Coach Harbaugh was something that people kept talking about. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to open up my ears. I'll listen to and it. And this is before, for you guys who don't know, it's Jim Harbaugh. Fuck First head coaching job. That's insane because he's a Wolverine now. He was 49ers, Wolverine 49ers, back to Wolverines, right? Stanford. No, Stanford, duh. Stanford, 49ers, Wolverines. Um, we'll get we'll do all that stuff. We're gonna go through you for a second. So you go to USD. What's your first year? 04? First year was 04. And it says you sat out. Why did you sit out? Because I was too damn small. I was the, the same reason people did. They make you sit out? No, you know or I were won't. you just trying to get bigger? Like I'm too small. I gotta get bigger. So you know I, I won't go too long on this, but um, you know, I came in like a couple days into training camp, like they didn't think I'd be very good. So I was the bottom of the depth chart. There were probably eight other running backs in front of me. <laughs> and so like I was buried, right? Yeah, like, I, I, like I had a straw coming out of it <laughs> six feet down. I could barely Trying breathe. to get some air. <laughs> yeah, I was buried. And Damn. so, but I worked my way up, right? And so during training camp, I took all the reps. I did it the, the best I could do it. I was healthy. I showed up for every practice. I was resilient, tough. Worked my way all the way up to second string, right? So the first road trip we take all the way back east to Worcester, Massachusetts to play Holy Cross, it's me and the starter rooming together. But he's a beast, and uh, and so I didn't end up needing to play uh, that game. And so eventually, after like four games, they're like, hey, you know, you need a year of development. We don't think that we'll need you, and you're not much better than the other running backs, maybe not even better than them. So we'll just, you know, we'll let you – Get bigger Damn. and get faster, and so I was like, okay. They, they hit you like that. They said, hey, you might not, you're probably not even better than the other backs. Just take a year off. I, sure. I just read between the lines, <laughs> yeah. right? They're like, hey, you're going to sit this year out. I'm like, uh, yes, fuck. I am. <laughs> you know? Damn, they got you, man. Yeah, so, okay. and, but you know, you start to recognize things, and I was still messing around. Like, I was still, like, not fully into it like during practice i would i would do what i needed to do certainly and i would work hard and people recognize that i kept showing up but in the off season like i wasn't as committed and as serious as i needed to be and so like it took some time for me to mature so that extra year was crucial that way to get to get your uh, motor running yeah function like were you in were you because that's how i was with football i wasn't the four or five years i played i wasn't ever fully 100 percent with it just because i wanted to i played like seven different sports I'm like, man, I want to go try tennis now or soccer or basketball or track. I lettered the one year I was in track and I quit. Yeah. Don't know why, but I've never been able to hold it. What What was it? Was it like a single defining point or a moment that made you turn it around? Was somebody give you, did somebody come in and say, hey, JT, you know, they give you the old cliche speech like, hey, come on, get your shit together. So, so two major things, right? There, there what two, was it? Two points that I can point to in my career where, you know, the light switch kind of flipped on. So the first one was um, just before my second year, the starter, who was the beast that I was telling you about, who I was behind on the depth chart, fell down a hill and fractured his skull and never played again. So all of a sudden, the job went from being wide closed to wide open. Oh, shit. Yeah. So so then, you know, I, I started competing and working really hard. And so I got a chance to – I tasted some success that first year. And so that that was kind of step one that got me to a level where I could compete collegiately. And then, you know, I saw a sports psychologist, and we had some really good conversations, but her message didn't connect with me until like two years after my first year. And so then I kind of took another big jump forward, and then that's when I really started um, being the best player that I could be. And so I don't regret anyone for not recruiting me, 
but at the same time, it took um, some real maturation and some time and some experience for me to arrive at, at being the, the right type of player mentally and physically that I needed to be. I can't ever, I can't see you not ever going 100%. Like, even eating food, I can't see you not doing it with your whole heart. Like, how do you, <laughs> it's like you always, you're always in sixth gear. Why? Well, you know, like it, it wasn't always that way, right? So, so I would put myself, you know, I would, I would bust my ass and everything, but sometimes you don't know how hard you need to be trying or how hard you can go until you push up against it a little bit more. And so like, I would, I would have the attitude, like I wasn't a very strong guy with the bench press. I didn't come in with a great amount of strength, but naturally I had a strong lower half, right? Like I ran a lot, I squatted a lot, but I just, I didn't really like upper body lifting because I wasn't good at it. So I didn't do it as much as other people would. Whereas everyone else is doing upper body and maybe slacking on leg day. And so I would just say, Oh, fuck it. Like I'm, I, I'm about my lower half. That's all I need. And so I was like defiant a little bit that way. But when I started to embrace the obstacles and the things that were in my way, I started to, to really make the growth and the progress that I needed. Right. And so I think there are things in people's lives it stands in their way, whether it's their job or their boss, and they don't recognize that if they can figure out a way to address that and to get beyond it and to not let it hold them back, that that's where the opportunity for growth is. And so that's what it was for me athletically, was just figuring out like, okay, in the weight room, I really need to dedicate myself to it. And then stop listening to all the bullshit and all the fake, fake news and the, the bad rumors that people say like you can't teach speed. Or it is what it is. No, it is what you make it. Yep. And you can teach speed. That's why people training for the combine go to these places to work on their speed because you can teach it. So you don't listen. You don't need to listen to the false narratives out nope. there that people try and tell you because, you know, these are from people that, that don't know what they don't know. Don't listen to anybody's advice. That's the main point. Do it yourself. Fail on your own. Rise back up. Do it again and fail again and rise back up. So now that was freshman year. Now we're on to... Stats have changed quite a bit. They go from nothing, zilch from 04 to 944 yards rushing, 7 TDs, and got some hands too. 36 receptions, 320 yards, and 4 TDs. What? So it went from 0 to wide open. Did they throw you in the top of the depth chart at that point? Or were you like 1A, 1B, 1A, yeah. 2? Yeah, well, I, I was 1A, 1B with uh, Kevin Haran there, and he was a really big running back. And so initially they Power gave... Power back, speed back. Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah. they gave him a lot of the short yardage goal line, you know, kind of the between the tackles runs. And then they figured out a, a way to use me. and Danny Woodhead style. Yeah. And, and our offensive coordinator that year ended up being the offensive coordinator for the Jets, uh, Johnny Morton. Uh, and, and so... And this is the Jim Harbaugh-led USD. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, University of San Diego. What are they? Uh, the Toledo? Terreros. Yeah, bullfighters, right? So we went 11-1 and one that year, and they used me a lot in the passing game, which I was thankful for because it just gave me an opportunity to, you know, refine a skill set that I had had. And I caught a lot of balls in, in high school as well. So, you know, just thankful to be able to, to get the opportunity to, to be can, a starter. Can you tell me what your receptions were in high school? Because I can't find what, what were you? Were, was it like just peppered here and there, or were, was it pretty decent yardage? Like my senior year, I think I was the leading receiver on my on my high school team, um, and we had some good receivers too. So I, I don't remember what it was, but I ended up having I think over thirty touchdowns my my senior year, and so you know quite a few of them were, were receiving. Christ. Yeah, Jesus Christ, mini Marshawn Lynch over here. All right. 944 7 TDs. That's 2005. Now we roll over 2006. You're in your third year. You have 
A thousand and two rushing. You broke the you broke the one K mark. Fourteen TDs. Then you go to twenty eight receptions, three hundred thirteen yards, and two TDs. Received a little bit on the receiving, but your rushing is outstanding. Were you doing more lower? Like what? How? Why are you getting double the touchdowns? You got double the touchdowns, and your yardage. I mean, you almost had a thousand yard season in all five anyway, so that really wasn't that big. But then you had oh, and here is something that's kind of cool. A 93-yard kick return on Valparaiso. I don't know if I'm saying this right. Valparaiso? Yeah. Oh, shit. I said it right. Yeah. And then you also had two for two passing touchdowns. Yeah. That was quite an interesting year, man. Yeah. They just had you gadget just everywhere? So we had a lot of really good receiving options in 06, right? So I didn't need to do that as much, and they didn't you know, find the, the need to utilize me. Our offensive coordinator that year was David Shaw, right, who's the head coach at Stanford right now. Um and, and so, like, I was getting more of the opportunities. I thought that maybe I should have gotten a year earlier to run the ball, short yardage and goal line. And so, uh, yeah, a little bit of a different breakdown. And then they finally started to use me as a kick returner. And the, the best thing about kick returning for me was that I was able to get up to full speed and then kind of make decisions. My problem was I just wasn't fast enough. So as a running back, I wasn't like a home run threat. I wasn't like, oh, give it to him and he's gone. It was like <laughs> five yards, six yards. Oh, you, you didn't know. have that Percy Harmon breakout Not speed? even close. Oh, Never. Shit. In no universe. <laughs> in no lifetime. Oh, shit. So, but with the kick returns, it was like I got up to full speed. And so the game before the, the Valparaiso touchdown, I got tackled in midfield by the kicker and everybody was giving me a hard time against Butler. And so I said, that's never going to happen again. I put my name on it. And then the next game, Valpo, boop, boop, hit it with the little stick. It, you know, Fucking got it, you know, huh? Yeah. 93, that must have felt awesome. Just running the entire length of the field, basically. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's good, man. I, and I got to be, you know, really comfortable as a kick returner. I really love that, um, you know, and, and – uh, What, nice, what nice was your – I mean, I know you're running back, but – what was your favorite secondary position, either receiver or kick returner or, or special teams? Was you like a, you love special teams or you know in high school I got to play everything, nice. um, and so I, I was literally on kickoff, on kickoff return, punt, punt return, offense and defense. So I played. What did you play on D? I, they had me at like a weak side linebacker, strong okay. safety type, um, nice. and and so it just kind of depended what we were doing. Nice. Um, but as a kick returner, it was always just so like I could see everything setting up for me. And kick kickoff teams, kickoff coverage teams are not terribly disciplined, right? Like, imagine if they all come down at the same speed at the same time. If you just break through, right? Like, right, right, right. yeah, like you got a good shot. And so I would hit it full speed. Like that was there was no concern or worry about that. So for me, kick return was always uh, was always a great. That was my favorite secondary position. And it makes a difference if you can get some good field position to get your. Cause you boy, you running straight from special teams to offense. Like, oh, I'm just gonna stay on and punch this in real quick for a quick. Yeah. Two two yard touchdown, three yards. All right, so we go from 05 to 06, or no, we go from 06 to 07. What years did you get hurt? I got hurt in uh, in 08. And were you there till 09? Yeah, so I played 09 as well. How come I didn't find, dude? That was another thing I had a hard time finding. How how come your stats are just left out randomly? Like what the what the fuck? Why they just oh let me just take off a year and put another one in? Okay, so we're going from 06 to 07. Still another thousand, uh, uh, awesome thousand yard rusher. Ten TDs that year. You go down four TDs, but your uh, pat your receptions jump up. Six touchdowns. They're were they just like hey and you ha- oh and also you had the team best 108 points for that season. Yeah. Nice. What you did your research? No, I did. I told you. I yeah. did my shit. Yeah. So, 
was he like? Uh, I'm guessing Harbaugh at this point is like, you know what? You got some hands. Let's put you out in the into. It's not like you weren't receiving the year before, but you're. It seems they, like they use you either on more short yard receiving situations or something because your your touchdowns went up. No, that's it. Uh, so a they, lot more like it is top short slat or what? What were they doing? Like it was kind of like um you know like if you run a wide route, a little swing route out right. to the flat, it's kind of like a toss, you know. And so we had a lot of ways to get me the ball out in that part of the field, right? But so, if it's behind the line of scrimmage, a to- does a toss count as a pass or a, well, or, or, or so a we, So imagine, you know, the quarterback's going to drop back five steps typically, right. and then he's going to throw it to me, right? So when he drops back five steps, there's like a five-yard gap between the line of scrimmage and between where he's at. And so they would never make it a lateral, right? But I would just kind of run out there and then just kind of like turn around on the run a little bit. So a little swing pass, and they'd hit me out in the flat. And so I'd have wide receivers who are really good at blocking, blocking guys or sometimes I would just be faster than the linebacker I'd be able to get out there in space and then kind of make some moves and so a lot of them were just swing passes getting out there and uh and taking advantage of the open space and so it wasn't rocket science and so we just kept going back to it just fucking use the money move yep okay that's 0700 1021 rushing yards 10 TDs 30 receptions for 331 yards and 7 TDs 10 team best 108 points did you get some type of special you guys get slapped with stickers on your helmets, don't you? Just slap them. Hey, you you got a good TD today. We'll give you a couple stickers. So I earned uh, that year. I earned All American status for uh, for my performance. So oh, that was shit universally recognized there. Nationally recognized. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, these stats say yeah, they they do prove that. So that's going from 07 to 08. You got hurt. Explain to me about 09. So, oh, so nine. I, didn't, I didn't see shit. Tell me about oh, 09. Yeah, so the college, you know, after you leave, the colleges aren't going to, like, go back and update your stats, especially right. at, like, smaller schools. And so so uh, harder to find, but, I, you know, I wasn't very good. They they didn't think I'd be very good. They actually let me play defense to start the year because they're like, you've had two surgeries. Like, you are you don't look fast. <laughs> you don't look good. Oh, shit. And so they're dogging me big time, right? Damn. And they have me on kickoff team for the first time ever. So I'm a sixth-year senior. And they're like, yeah, sure, you could go kick off and you could play corner. Um, and then, you know, the season started, the first quarter goes by, it's 0-0, right? We're playing on the road. And they're like, okay, well, like, we'll see if JT can, like, do some stuff. And then we drive down. I score the first touchdown of the year. Nice. I, Clap for that. Yeah, I'm still not as good as, as I was, but I end up being the team MVP. Nice. And uh, I end up running for, like, 600 yards. I split time with a bunch of other running backs, um, but had a, a really fun year and, you know, met my – my now wife during that sixth year. One so of the nicest it, ladies ever. So it was important to yeah. uh, to go back and have that sixth year athletically, personally, professionally, all of it. Right in your twilight years, right? That's twilight. it. Young twilight years. My, right? my, young, <laughs> my young twilight years. Okay, so now we can jump to uh, your life after all those uh, crazy stats. Um, what did you do in 010? Like, what, between the time... Because obviously you brought up Jim Harbaugh a couple times. He was a personal friend of yours at this point, and your your ex uh, coach and mentor, mentee, whatever. What what was what did you do exactly like right after college? Did you go straight to commentating like that was no, sports broadcasting? Or? No, so I went up to Stanford that first year after USD. I were you with Harbaugh then? Yeah. So oh shit. So I did I didn't my know that. Well, I did my pro day in two thousand ten. In like March, right? And so I tried out for NFL teams and stuff. I ran a four five four. Hand that timed. is not bad, bro. No, no, it's not, and I trained hard for it, right? Like that is not bad. Yeah, so so I had surgery in 
August of uh, 08, and then January of 09, and then I had my pro day in March of, 09, of, of 10, right? So I was 13 months out of surgery, 14 months out of surgery um, the second time, and the second time was just a scope, but it was a microfracture. It was pretty heavy. Microfracture kind of expedited the end of the career. Kobe Bryant, Greg Oden, Brandon Roy, a lot of like really yeah. talented players because yeah. you get like this bone damage. It's not ligaments or you know, muscular or anything like that. It's like the you know, crunching of the bone. And oh, so it's, it's tough. So, so I had a good pro day, but you know, I had the opportunity to go up to Stanford and that year was, you know, maybe the best in Stanford history. It depends on who you ask, but we went 12 and one finished fourth in the country. And I was just, you know, I was almost their peer, their equal, you know? And so I just went up there and really had a good time. Didn't make hardly anything in terms of money, but a lot of, you know, great networks and connections. And, and at great this experience. time you, were you, an assistant coach. What were you doing? Were you an assistant coach to Harbaugh at this point? Or yeah, low level. I help uh, offensive assistant. Okay. Just so I helped with, you know, Aaron Moorhead, who's now the receivers coach for the Eagles. Pep Hamilton, who, um, you know, has has been a coordinator and was even an XFL head coach, I think, at the LA team. Um, a lot of a great staff. A lot of great guys on that staff. And so, having the opportunity to do that was awesome. And um, I was just kind of a fly on the wall. I mean, how many years were you there for? So I was there for for only a year, right? Because after I was there for a year, I was like, I still want to play. Like, I see these guys doing it. They're good. I think I can do it too. And so for the next couple of years, I tried out for the CFL, the UFL, the NFL, you know, every abbreviation I could get my hands on. And uh, and I was out there doing it, right? So, like, I'm out there catching passes from Jimmy Clausen, right? Who, oh, you know, Jimmy. He and Notre Dame nice. quarterback and stuff, right? And, like, always working out, trying hard, you know, putting myself in the – you know, the, the realm of opportunity and um, the trial with the Niners, you know, that was, you know, Coach Harbaugh gave that to me because that was him, I think, either in 12 or 13. And so I, I went there, you know, and got a chance to see what I stacked up like against these other guys. I went there as a punt returner because Kyle Williams, their punt returner, had fumbled two punts in the NFC Championship game oh, to lose to the Giants that year when the Giants went on to beat the Patriots, um, if memory serves correctly. So, you know, like I just, I went and did it and got a chance to see what it was like. And I knew in my heart of hearts that I was good enough to compete at that level. I just knew that, you know, with an injury history and, you know, just They're being out of the game, second look, it was going to be tough. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, could I have kept grinding and tried to make it? Yeah. But I ended up getting a third knee surgery. So uh, I had to get another, you know, back on the same knee. And so, you know, it was just kind of, you know, that was it for me. Which knee is it? Left knee. Oh, damn, bro. I mean, it seems like you're moving on in pretty all right right now i mean is it is it a little ginger a little sore i mean how's it feeling right now you know i do a really good job taking care of it so you know i think if anybody has an issue with a part of their body you know if they research into how to take care of it you know you're going to be better off than you would be otherwise so yeah it's it's in good shape i slammed i slammed dunked last month so for the you did yeah for the first time probably in about eight years so I, i got back Got back into it. You feeling pretty hyped about that? Are you feeling good? Yeah, I mean, are you, that's... are you shooting at all? Are you shooting hoops at all? No, you're just trying to slam dunk. Strictly dunking, because it, it, it I accomplished two things, right? I strengthened my knee and I also protect it, right? So it's a knee strengthening program, because like if you're strong, right? Like if you've got strong muscles and a strong body, you're you're going to not all the time, but if you do it the right way, you're going to protect your body from, you know, aches and pains and hurts and everything like that. You're gonna, you know. Again, I'm going about it a way that's really conscientious. A lot of stretching, a lot of flexibility. There's not any like weight training. I'm not squatting 315 out there. And and even still, that you know that has beneficial properties if you do it the right way. But I'm out here trying to protect and preserve, and I'm trying to strengthen so I can throw it down. And so I got a chance to yeah to do that. So that was good. Fucking go getter, bro. You're just doing the most out here. 
Old JT. Old. I'm going to guess what JT stands for. Don't tell me. It's probably Jermaine Tramiel Rogan. Close? Uh, John Thomas Rogan? Jay Sean Tisney. <laughs> that's close enough. I like it. What does the JT stand for? James Tyler. Oh, see, that's some classy shit right there. Okay, James Tyler Rogan. So now, we go from Stanford. You're working out a couple years. You do your thing. How do you get to uh, the Wolverines? How do you become a Michigan Wolverine? I know you know Harbaugh, but how does that come about? How do you do that? So I go. So you know, one of the things I'll always say is that every job is a job interview, right? So the way that you do anything is the way that you do everything in the eyes of some people, right? And so as a as a player, I worked my ass off and I turned myself from something that wasn't really highly coveted into something that was pretty desirable, right? And and so. I did that as a player, and then I was good enough as a coach at Stanford. And I got into broadcasting, was climbing up the ranks there. And so when people see that, you know, I, I'm achieving some level of success in everything that I do, um, you know, I ended up getting that opportunity at Michigan. But part of it was because I was top of mind. Like, I went out there a couple months before he hired me, and he didn't know I was coming, but I just showed up because I wanted right. to see what was going on and see what it was like. And so we reconnected, and then he came out to San Diego for a camp that he was doing, and we reconnected there. And so I was top of mind. So you add, you know, me being in front of him and, and him thinking about me and then him knowing that I've done a good job. So when an opportunity presented itself to be his assistant, technically his director of operations and communications, <laughs> you know, I got a chance to take advantage of that. What does that even – Everything. 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 Like scheduling, like all this – like what, 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 what – you say everything. Yeah. Just give me a run by, like, what is a typical day in the life of a 07 JT Rogan? So ESPN, or a seven, 2017 JT Wolverine Rogan. ESPN did an article on, like, what a day looked like for me, right? So it was, like, talking with a former player about uh, a nonprofit he had. It involved putting fatheads on the wall of our players, you know, for who were players of the week. <laughs> Right. It involved approving new graphics that were going out from our graphic designer. Right. And, and all these other things. Right. It's like picking up chewing tobacco for Coach Harbaugh. It's, you know, writing speeches to introduce, you know, Joe Biden at a book tour stop. You know, it's all of these different things. It's personal. It's professional. It's speaking engagements, autograph deals, commercials you know, uh, communicating with the other members of the staff, you know, welcoming players and, and, and athletes and, you know, just whatever needed to be done, no job too big, no job too small. You know, you just show up and you do it with the best attitude and the best of your ability. That's fucking awesome. Are his khakis as big as they look in real life? Like, they look huge in pictures. Are they really wide and, like, are they really roomy as they look in? He's got a diverse set of khakis, right? So he did a deal with Dockers, and so he's naturally got some Dockers, right? <laughs> and then he's got the Lululemon anti-ball crusher, the ABC pant, right? Are those still khakis, though? I mean, by somebody's measure, somewhere they're khakis, <laughs> right? Right, 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 right. He had the Nike khakis because we were a Jordan, uh, Jordan, a Jordan brand, brand school. Uh, oh, 17, you guys had that, those sick Jordan jerseys for yeah, a while. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so Jordan operates, you know, if they can't fulfill it with Jordan-branded material, so like they don't have Jordan-brand khakis, they'll give you Nike, right? right? And so... So he had Nike khakis, and then he probably even had a, a couple other, like, Walmart brand, like, knockoffs, right? So it's all khaki everything. You literally go into his closet, and it's khakis, and all khakis. <laughs> and maybe, like, two. I mean, like, all khakis, I swear. And, like, two suits in case he had to do something nice, right? But it was just, like, 20 variations of khakis all hung up. And does he have, like, a, his turtleneck? Or his, uh, what is that? Uh, 
Maybe. No, he doesn't wear turtlenecks. It's a, like no, a button down, maybe? Well, he'll have like different sweater or, or polo variations. So, you know, there'll be like maybe three or four options of those um, and a couple one off here and there, but like four of four different, you know, things. So he can just. Did, did you ever have to send out a memo like, hey, today's khaki day for. Did you ever have to do with it? Like, hey, no. John's in a bad mood. Let's all put on khakis and make him happy. That'll really get his day going. No, 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 no. So, you know, but what would happen is every now and then people would be just kind of like too relaxed with their dress and their dress code. And so, you know, I he would just say, hey, everybody's got to wear like business casual or nicer in the office. And so people were like walking around with like sweats and everything like that. Not anymore. Just like, you oh, know, just shut that shit up, yeah. nip it in the bud. Yeah, exactly. So, so Jim was just like, "Hey, this is it. Like, you need to start dressing nice, and and that's what it is. And you need to behave in that way. And you work at the pleasure of the head coach, so that's what you're gonna do." That's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, that's crazy. Um, is he a pretty pretty chill? I mean, I'm. I mean, you, you're friends with him. We only. We only. I can only judge by what I see on TV or by the media, whatever they spoon feed us. Or I can only judge by what I see. I don't know any personal. Is he a pretty, pretty chill dude? Or is he as intense, intense as... I mean, football brings out... Sports bring out some of the worst in us, or bet, whatever you want to call it. The most... Uh, the fire in us. Was the fire different from... Was he a chill dude, but had the fire in football? Or was he kind of a... Like, what was his demeanor? What was his daily demeanor? Happy... Tense. I think everybody, when they go to work, they have to put on a face or behave in a certain way for the benefit of themselves and their coworkers or their boss or whatever. So most people are drastically different at work than they are at home, and he's no exception. Um, he is not at home. He's not fiery and intense. You know, he loves his family, loves being around his kids, likes taking it easy. Yeah, it's turned into a Jim Harbaugh podcast. Sorry, guys. Wasn't the intent. That. Wasn't that was the, not intent, the intent. But I'm sorry about that. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's you know, it's wherever the interview goes. Right. But um, you know, he's just a he's a lot more regular and normal um, than people would probably think because all they see is again what the media gives you, where he's fired up and intense. You yeah. know, we see the media and we see like the millions of dollars. Like, does that change a person? Because we're just average Joes. At some point, I mean, it's he doesn't spend money. Eats at the facility, right? I mean, like, chewing tobacco and gasoline, maybe. Like, he's got to get to and from work. But eats at the facility, you know, lives at, lives at home. I mean, I guess technically he's paying for his house. But he's not going out buying clothes. He doesn't have, like, hobbies to pursue. He's not buying new cars. Like, right. he just cares about winning football games. And so true dedication to the game. Or no distraction from anything else. I mean, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Shit. Oh, Jimmy. Okay, okay. So, that's the whole... That was the whole thing I kind of wanted to say because you just ruined it in the first two minutes. Oh, me and Jim Harbaugh. Fucking asshole. Guilty. So, you do that. You're doing your thing right now. How long have you been traveling for, man? You've been traveling for a fucking... It seems like you told me you started traveling maybe three or four months ago. Has it just been consistent, just nonstop? Um, You've been back here, here and there once in a while, but every, you know, you're like, oh, I'm here for a couple of days, and then I yeah. gotta fucking fly back out. L.A., Mississippi, Arizona, um, yeah, Florida. Uh, definitely been 
been getting out there, but it's been good, man. It's been really good to go and do and see and and live life. You know, I mean, I had the option to, you know, fly back home from San Diego, you know, after a vacation, or I had the option to travel to Florida for a day and right. see my cousin graduate and then fly back home to Washington. People are like, oh, my God, cross-country flight. I'm like, <laughs> you know, worth it. That's got to be kind of brutal on the body, though, man. It is. I, I do my best to take care of myself, you know, and um, and try and – No gas station food? No. All no. fruits, veggies, proteins. I'm not gonna not gonna inconvenience myself like that, you know. I'm you know eating Starburst and drinking vodka here on your show. So I'm, I'm <laughs> not, yeah, not gonna not gonna hack like I'm like yeah. That's sorry, <laughs> vegan only. Yeah, Brock, all greens. Yeah. Um. Director of communications. Uh, do you uh tell me what a I mean, you, you're more in tune with all these different types of offenses. I just kind of wanted to pick your brain. The time that you were at Michigan, they were running a pro-style offense at a 4-3 defense. They went 8-5 and five that year. Offensive coordinator Tim Brown, D coordinator. Don, oh, no, no, no. Tim. Dude, what is with my handwriting? Drevno there? Tim Drevno? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. It's for uh-huh. me. Don Brown. Coach Jimmy, obviously. What is a pro style offense? Pro style offense is they're using professional style offense and what does that mean? It's probably more of a reliance on you know running backs and tight ends, right? So you'll see they'll they'll talk about like you know twenty two personnel, twenty one personnel. That's going to be the number of running backs and the number of tight ends out there. So you know what what you wouldn't call a pro style offense would be like you know ten personnel, right? Which is one running back, zero tight ends. That's going to be four wide receivers, right? I mean, that's going to be like just spread it out, you know, air raid. So pro style just, you know, relies more on the running backs and the tight ends in the run game, in the pass game, and um, just bigger people on the field overall, if I just had to to say what pro style offense is. So a lot more play action, a lot more um, short to intermediate passing game as an extension of the run game. Those are just kind of some of the hallmarks in the pro style offense. Why does play action work so well? Is it because they sell the fake so well? Is it because the, you have to sell the fake, or why is it so? It seems uh, what was it? The Chiefs, a lot of their, a lot of their. Uh, no, that was the Titans. My bad. Ryan Tannehill had a lot of success out of the play action last year with him. Uh, Antonio Brown, not Antonio Brown, uh, something Brown, AJ, AJ Brown, and uh, they had like Derrick Henry and. Taiwan Walker or something. They had a couple other people, but they they were most successful out of play action. Why is that? Do, do they have to sell the fake? Do they? Why is it so successful? And why did they have like a great? I mean, they obviously they added uh they added Julio Jones too, so that's gonna be, be even more crazy. A combination of things, right? The first thing I would say that you have to have a run game. You've got to be able to run the ball well, and Derrick Henry, you know, might be the best at doing that, right? So. That's going to make linebackers want to try and cheat closer to the line of scrimmage so that they, they can beat blocks, they can beat double teams, they can fill the gap that they're assigned to quicker. Um, but then the second thing is, like, if you can hide it well or you can use sleight of hand or you can intentionally, like, if you're trying to manipulate the backside linebacker, let's say, you know, you're faking a run to the right so that you can bootleg and come back and throw to your left, that weak side linebacker, you know, that linebacker who's going to be on the left who you're ultimately going to be, uh, throwing in his area like if you are hiding the ball if he's trying to look through your back to see if you're giving the ball to the running back and he can't tell like that's where play action really comes in handy 
right? And so you're not able to recognize, so you got to wait. And then all of a sudden there's a, a wide receiver or a tight end or someone, you know, entering your zone and then you're flat footed. You can't get to your coverage responsibility. So play action is really useful that way in, uh, in being able to, to have running backs think that the run's coming. Like, is that, that, is that something that you, like, if you were to run a team, do you, is that something you would incorporate a lot into your, yeah. into your system? Yeah, absolutely, right? Oh. Because when you think that the when you think that the run's coming and then it's a pass, right, it gives you a strategic advantage. So they can't just play the pass. They can't just, you know, expect you to um, to be one-dimensional, as they call it. So, yeah, I, and, and we work on it as running backs and quarterbacks, right? Faking the handoff, making run plays look exactly like pass plays as long as you can. Right, and so it's uh, you know deception is an important part of it. Well, I know you got to get out of here, but I want to. Sh- what? Uh, how much? You probably got a short amount of time. No, we're all good, man. But uh, what do you think of this picture? Oh man, how's that make you feel? The nostalgia for nobody for anybody that's listening. I'm showing him a. Is that your freshman year? What picture is this? No, no, that's that's a, a later year because I got all that hair. It's, you had a lot of hair. I mean, your your hair's a little pushed back now, just a little bit. Yeah. What, what year was this? It says 5'10", 200, so that's, that might be, uh, you So know. maybe fifth year? Yeah, fifth year. it might be fifth year. You got that the blonde streaks going? You, you highlighted your hair? That, no, 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 just That's uh, natural, huh? Yeah. Okay, bro. Yeah. Funny to, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a picture from a long time ago, right? Yeah, fifteen years, and not something I see all the time, right? You know, I'm not like googling myself, like, oh man, oh, there's that picture. No, nobody's googling. I'm the only one googling at this point. Yeah, it's, no. it's me setting the interview. Yeah. So, um, you watch hockey? I do watch hockey. I'm, okay, and before we continue, what time yeah. do you need to get the fuck out of here? Because you got a family, kids. What time do you need? We, oh, I could probably go for another 20, 10, 20 minutes. Let's do it. Okay. Do you watch hockey? Uh huh. And you are a season ticket. Are you ready for the Kraken season? Excited about it for sure. Yeah. When's the first game? You know, you're you're a season ticket holder, so you should have the. They're still wrapping up this year, so I don't know that they have the schedule set for next year. But I'm I'm expecting November. Of this year. Uh huh. Oh shit, that's coming quick. Just like basketball, right? Just the kind of on the same timeline as basketball. Because the the playoffs are right now, right for hockey for NHL. Yep. And we're an official. NHL team, not no AHL, no right. WHL. We're yeah. official NHL, hundred percent. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, excited about it. Got really good seats down there, lower bowl. I think ten ten rows up from the glass. You got a sweater already? I I don't, cause those are pricey. But I got a, a bunch of other stuff. Right, I got some sweats. I got. <laughs> I like, forgot you told me you went out. You bought yeah. every fucking thing that you could. I did, yeah, yeah. except the sweater. Well, sweaters are not cheap. No, but that's like the authentic. It's like, you know, the jersey, right, yeah, for football or baseball or whatever. So, and I don't know if I'll ever get one. I don't, you know, maybe. Why not? We'll see. Fully invest, man. Come on. I, I don't. You either go all the way in or you're not in at all. Come on, man. I just don't know if I'm a sweater guy. But we are start. We have to be, we have to support our new franchise. We have to get behind them, even if they, they might suck for a while. They might suck. They could come out fire like the or, Vegas uh, Golden Knights, right? Yes, or they could come out swinging. Yeah, but we have to put our we have to put our backs behind them. You know, we have to you know show I, our support. You know, it feels like the prices that they're charging for season ticket holders. I feel like I'm supporting them as strongly as I can. <laughs> no, you're right. I didn't take into account. So I'm only buying season tic- single tickets at a time. I'm not no fucking season ticket holder. What what was that like? Uh, 
He said it was like fucking something crazy. Like uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, 10, 15 G's, like, bro. Yeah, it, and and so I'm splitting it with other people because I don't have it like that. But, you know, it's Oh, like, you'll get it like that eventually, yeah, trust me. I, the I, amount of work ethic this motherfucker has, this you'll have it eventually. Man. I, I, I you look will. forward to it. You will. I look forward to it. But, yeah, it's like, I don't know, 175 or 200 bucks a ticket per game, something outrageous like that. I, I don't know. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you don't don't pay attention to the That's math. That's Seahawks prices. I know, I know. Oh, my God. Seattle's crazy game. about their sports team. So, the thing is, like, if you want access to the tickets, you're going to have to pay that price. And then if you don't have it, like you got to pay even higher prices. Yeah. Right. So we were fortunate enough to, you know, my brother-in-law got uh, a high number in the lottery to be able to get one of the first picks about you know where he wanted his seats, and tickets. I won't bleep these names out, but <laughs> I will always black them out just so people don't get it. Damn, you guys, man, you guys got in at uh, the earliest part because I, I don't think they're selling tickets, season tickets at all. No, I don't think they're even... I, I don't even think tickets maybe are even being sold right now. They're like... They saved like some marginally fractional small amount of like single game tickets because they want to like make them available. But tickets are just forever... Whoever's paying the most attention, they're going to be gone immediately. It's. I almost regret us going to the... It's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, but I almost regret the Seahawks going to the Super Bowl and having that magical year in 2012. Just jacked up season ticket it, Insanely high. It, was, it went from like 150 bucks, manageable, that's still expensive, to 200 bucks a game to almost three, 400 bucks a ticket, 500 It's not... It's, you have to have a good job to go to these games or save up for a month. To, like People can't... They're not making these games accessible for the... the for the person who doesn't have a, a medium to a, a decent job, yeah. like McDonald's, a, a wage is not going to cover that shit. You have to spend a your month's salary for that. Yeah, and then when you get there, right? If you're like, if you're trying to eat or you're trying to drink or whatever, like that's a whole a whole other thing. That's a whole other uh, yeah. drink is twenty bucks. The Mariners games way more accessible. That even the drinks are insanely high. Uh, a twelve ounce. It's like 15 bucks. It makes no sense. Where to do me. people get to thinking that they can charge? I went to an NCAA baseball game when I was down there in Mississippi. They charged, right. me, tw- they charged me $9 for a 12-ounce beer. Fuck. I mean, I, a and you can go to a bar beer. and get it for a like can, two bucks. A, a can of beer. <laughs> Dude, yes. I mean, like, I'm prepared to pay, you know, a little bit for the convenience and the, you know, the transportation and the yep. distribution and the storage and like, yeah, okay, price it up a little bit. Sure. You know, but you if you can buy it for $1.60 in the stores... Just do me a favor and don't charge me, you know, five to six <laughs> times more at the stadium. That's a hundred and sixty percent markup. Like, dude, what the fuck are they thinking? Yeah, it's uh, they're it's, not making these games. That's why I think Rainier's games. Uh, I've been enjoying those a lot more, just because they're cheaper, more accessible. The hot dog, they have two for one hot dog nights for like three bucks. It's the entertainment. That's, that's like what games should be. Yeah, the entertainment. I think at minor league ballparks is better. You know, maybe the the product, the on-field no, product, is, product isn't as polished. But. No, but like, you don't go for polished product if you're going. If if you're thinking minors, you're not going for polished product. Well, and let me let me say this too, like. Sometimes the Mariners or any team is not a polished product out there on the field. You catch them on a bad night when they were out drinking the night before or they come back from a long road trip and they're, right. you know, like, yeah, so they have bad nights. And so sometimes you'll catch a, a minor league team with a great night. They'll hit five home runs. Their pitcher will twirl a gem, you know, and so, like, you caught them on a good night. So, you know, if you're there for the experience and the social interaction and, you know, 
getting rid of COVID, you know, like, you know, just <laughs> yeah. kind of, you know, it's a different experience, you know. So what do you what do you go into the game for? Are you going because you want to see the best caliber baseball? You can stay at home and watch it for next to free, but you know, if you, if want, you want to go have a good time, yeah. an experience. You're paying for a question. I want because we're wrapping up here. Uh, I want you to let people know where they can find you, sites, everything, and then I'll hit you. You guys know the last question, but we'll just re-ask it again. Where can they find you? You have a podcast out. You're doing your own thing. You're yeah. obviously fucking busy as shit. So how uh, are you podcasting when you're traveling to? Are you kind of getting some episodes in with some of the people or that you're interacting with? Or When I started, I, I podcasted on the road, and that was tough because right. I would film it. I would record it. I would set the It's a lot of work. Up. Yeah, editing, no is, editing is a lot of work, too. It's fucking – you got to have time, and you're sometimes too busy to do that shit. So. Yeah, so now I'm just – I'm doing all the podcasts via phone call, you know, pretty straightforward. My last guest was a guy I know who got – you know, drafted by the Padres and, and didn't end up making it professionally, but played in the minors and then, you know, has written a book. He uh, went to the Strongman Nationals, you know, competitions, been to CrossFit Nationals, really fit guy, friend nice. of mine. Um, and so it was it was a fun conversation with him. And, um, you know, we'll see who, you know, what guests are in the future. I've, I've talked to Ed Werder, who's an ESPN guy, you know, might have been him on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and some others. I talked to a you know, guy who's going to be published. He's writing a 2,000-word um article on genie bus for the new york times nice so we got some interesting cats in you know and, and fun to talk about different people from different walks of life so um that's the if you don't grind podcast i talked oh, about you finally have a name for it huh yeah it was, yeah. To, it was to be named yeah. the last time you told yeah, me yeah it was it was so I, I called it you know and it took me a while so i bought www.ifyoudontgrind.com and i don't update it much but there's more information on there about me and pictures and stuff but um you know got at if you don't grind on uh instagram and on twitter and and that's at, at same yeah. thing. It's all same name all yeah, the way across. At if you don't grind. So thankful that to be able to get that that domain name and all that stuff. And then my personal Twitter handles at JTE Rogan, James Tyler Elliott Rogan. I left out my second middle name, so JTE Rogan. A lot of a lot of initials here. We got a lot of things going. Too many, Too many letters. Too many. <laughs> and then on Instagram at Jet Rogan. So I just transposed the middle two initials. Okay. J E T Rogan. So um, yeah, those are that's where to find me. And that, now to the last question. Before we wrap this bitch up, your favorite meal in the whole world and one that you feel like you should pass. That's such a hard question because my dad's a chef. Oh, wow. And my, so you have a lot of good shit. Yeah, and my mom is a world-class cook, in my opinion, right? I think most people grow up you know, liking their mom's cooking, yep. sometimes more than more than they should. Um, okay, narrow it down to two then. Pick, okay. Pick, yeah, narrow it down to two. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to – I'll go to two meals. So – my 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 breakfast is gonna be um, chocolate chip pancakes uh, with bacon and sausage. Okay. And fresh squeezed orange juice. That's I like it. That's a good start. Good start. Yeah. And then for dinner, um, you know I'm a meatitarian, uh, an omnivore, whatever you know. But I gotta go. I gotta go meat. And uh, you know I'm probably gonna have my dad. He did this one time. He was working at Marriott down in Aruba. Oh shit. And one of the Marriotts had a Ruth's Chris affiliate. A little like, you know, they were a restaurant inside of the Marriott. So he grabbed a cut of meat from Ruth's Chris and paid for it and took it home and cooked it up for me. So if you're talking <laughs> about like I'm on death row and what meal I want. You want that. I want I want that. So give me that Ruth's Chris cut. And then I'm probably going to go with like some asparagus um, and some and some uh, some mashed potatoes with, with too much butter. And then... Um, yeah, those for sides. I mean, that'd be good. And then if I could get like, there's some really good 
uh, I don't know if they're like the way that they fry them, but but some French fries, right? Some really golden brown, crispy French fries. Dude, you got this shit planned out. And maybe it, it's I, like it's like he already knew what I was gonna ask before I fucking asked. But I don't it. know if it's gonna be a Kennebec or a russet oh, potato shit. or some fingerlings. Like I gotta figure that out. So right. I still I gotta have to come back for a second interview to figure out, you know, just exactly. No, no, what the I I would hope to have you back on. I know you're extremely busy. Let know. me get some stuff done and then I'll come back. Like right now it's you're like, well, what do you do? Like camps and stuff, and I'm like, Well, yeah, I do some camps and some mentorship and like No, you know, but some it doesn't even have bro, it doesn't even have to be in a it's like it's just you can come on and bullshit it doesn't even have to be about this was an interview yes the next time you come on it's gonna be more bullshit and that's just bantering well and it'll be nice because I'll have more stuff done and I'll be able to be like yeah this is what I actually do and then yeah yeah. and, and what about Glenn Fittich or, yeah you're you know. just giving us the runaround right now is what you're saying <laughs> yeah. well there's, just, there's not enough to point to be like <laughs> right. yeah like, cause right. I, like what do I do I'm like well you know I've kind of just some you're stuff. building yourself up yeah. I get that I'm, doing, I'm in the same process I mean I have a job but it's you know we all, all obviously want to progress further and we all grand, granders of not working for somebody else, obviously, but but this setup, man, like this is serious. Like I, I mean, this is much no. more serious than what I got. Like your soundboard, these mics, oh, yeah, like I got this everything. whole deal, man. I told yeah. you I got it. If you need help, I got you. Yeah, I told you I got you. Because I'm literally like calling somebody on a recorded line and then just like sending that to the cloud and then uploading it, and I'm like, you know, bro, I can. We'll talk after. Um, well, thank you, Jay. I appreciate you, my brother, yeah. for coming on. A hundred percent. Absolutely. This is, Something I've been wanting to do for a while just because I want to pick your brain, you know. You know, you're into the sports more, uh, football especially, a lot more than I am. And I'm just touch and go with it. But it was just cool to get some insight into, especially old Harbaugh. It turned out to be a Harbaugh interview for some reason. But I just wanted to, you know, just just touch down and say what's up. You know, I appreciate. You're always just so kind to us, too. Like, it's, you're, like I said, you're the opposite of what I am. Like, I'm. I'm not that. So it's yin and yang. It's black and white. It's and I appreciate you for that for coming on. A yeah, no doubt, so. man. I I appreciate you. Uh, you know, being willing to have me and and this is fun and and we will do it again and there will be more bullshitting. More bullshitting, more banter. So until next time, guys. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. You want to say bye, Jay? You want to say goodbye? Deuces. The same pieces. Oh, that camera's dead too. Oh, the oh, uh, oh sorry, YouTube. Uh, the video, some most of it will be recorded and then the camera cut off halfway through it, so you're gonna be getting audio halfway through. So sorry about that. Thank you guys for tuning. In. So sorry about that. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's your boy Chef, Major Conan's podcast. Tune in next week. Gamma. Yes, my lord. Are things going as planned? Yes, my master. But the people grow restless. They show quiet, strange activity in the fall. Quiet. This is no strange activity. It's the doing of Tay Electronica, and I want it brought to an end. Mic check one, stiffs and drugs. I pop a hot slug in the back of a thug. My chrome ribs is spilled back to reality. This nigga has gone mad with the fairy tale mentality. Bound by doubt, I stood still in the mayhem. Relaxed all night and chilled in the AM. That's when I got a call from Sinister Sam. Hello? Peace, God, it's me. I just came home from Matherwan. I see the charge down the Chevy Chase Maverland. But when I came home, I was faced with the case with black Chicken head Stacy on the witness stand Tatterland. I tried to call you, but Breezy told me to take it easy, homie. You know these landlines is landmines. One step, boom. Twenty years of man time. True indeed, God, I see your math. You know they can't fade.
leaders, but don't stress. Nevertheless, I'm back from my hiatus. Good, singing in the background, dying to know the status. Yeah, I was out in Vegas, me and Just Blaze, politicking on the latest. I mastered both sides of the force like Darth Plagueis. Now I'm wilding on you haters, Star Wars, J the greatest, King of the Kings, Lord of the Rings, Savior of Saviors, the Black Renaissance man of rap, spitting magic on you silly rabbits. In a world of sin and debauchery, a man. 